today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I remember one day in particular, I w- and I started to get concerned. It's kind of like, wow, the because I, I worry when the enemy leaves me alone because, you know, like, hey, keep up the good work. You're, you know, for the kingdom of darkness. You know you're in trouble when the enemy sends you a thank you card or a gift card, you know. Thank you very much. When the enemy's attacking you, that's, that's a good sign. That's the litmus test that you pose a formidable threat. When we set out to do something for the Lord, we can be sure that the devil will try to stop us. In today's message, Pastor J.D. talks about how the devil will try to distract us with everything that he can. But we don't have to give in to the devil's schemes. We can put on the armor of God and stand firm against his attacks. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot, and it is facing away from the north. Then, verse 14, the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord. They shall come, and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around, and against all the cities of Judah. I will utter, verse 16, my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness. And here's why. Because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshiped the works of their own hands. Stay with me on this. This uh, boiling pot poured out the judgment of God being poured out on the wickedness of the people. And this is the ministry that Jeremiah has. He has to proclaim this, prophesy this, speak this. Judgment is coming. That's doom and gloom. No wonder they're going to contort their faces and want to kill me and hate me. And They're not going to listen to this. Oh, you're one of those doom and gloom preachers. Judgment is coming. The end is, it's not near, it's here. This is what I mean by the profound parallels to Jeremiah's day concerning Judah. Boy. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, this is a reference to Babylon, which at this time was heating up like that boiling pot. And as a ruling empire would conquer Assyria and destroy Jerusalem. And it's pretty detailed here. Verse 15, at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, 
against all the walls all around, all the cities of Judah. It's coming. And this is why it's coming. Dare I say that in our world today, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming because of the wickedness, the wickedness of people, the evil, the worship of other gods. This is interesting too, and I just want to draw your attention to it before we move on any further. But they worship the works of their own hands. Wow. Hmm. They worship these images, these false gods. They bowed down to these graven images, and judgment would come. And it did. And it was horrific. And it was unthinkable. You know, I just hear my heart on this, and this is one of the reasons why the, the prophecy updates, especially as of late, have become so intensely difficult, is because it's not a popular message. And people don't really want to hear it. This is what's coming. This is what's happening. This is what's here. And this is why. Judgment is coming. We're on the cusp of the seven-year tribulation when the wrath of God is poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. And where are the prophets? Where are the pastors? Where are the watchmen? warning the people. We're going to see this when I think we get to about chapter 6. I want to spend a little bit of time on it because, see, there were false prophets in Jeremiah's day that were telling the people what they wanted to hear. Oh, hey, don't listen to Jeremiah. It's all good. Peace, peace. It's all good. Yeah, he's, he's one of them doom and gloom, fire and brimstone guy. I don't listen to him. It's not in our lifetime. It's all good. Everybody thought the Lord was coming back. My great, 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 great grandfather, sorry, thought it was going to be in his lifetime. Oh yeah, well I can do one better than that. The Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, thought it could be in his lifetime. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We who are alive and remain will be caught up. He thought, hey, <laughs> Lord's coming back in my lifetime by God's design. The Lord could come back at any time. There's nothing that has to happen. And He could have. He didn't. Aren't you glad, by the way, because you weren't born yet, neither was I. <laughs> we would have missed the rapture. We wouldn't have even been here for it. But it could have, because there's nothing that had to happen before the rapture happened. That's the doctrine of imminence. Talked about it on Sunday a little bit. Sound doctrine of imminence, I should say. But where are the voices? Where are the watchmen? sounding the alarm like Jeremiah in his day. Here's what's coming. I'll tell you where they are. They're self-silenced, because they know 
that if they do, this is what will happen. And they don't want it. I mean, in all fairness, you could honestly say maybe in some ways they've counted the cost and it's too high and they're unwilling to pay it. Because when you, like Jeremiah then and us now, proclaim the Word of God and warn the people so the blood is not on your hands, you had better count the cost because it will cost you the spiritual warfare alone. And I speak from personal experience. You know, one of the interesting things, and it's, I, it happens all the time whenever I take a little bit of time off, but for some reason it was really pronounced this time. So I had a couple of weeks where I just kind of, you know, wasn't in the pulpit, disconnected, just kind of, you know, like Jesus did, just got away from the multitudes, just got with the Father. And I noticed something very interesting. I, it's, it always happens, but it was really pronounced this time, the spiritual warfare. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, it was like 0.5. When I'm in the pulpit, it's um, on a scale of 1 to 10, about 1,510. <laughs> and I remember one day in particular, I w- and I started to get concerned. It's kind of like, wow, the because I, I worry when the enemy leaves me alone, because, you know, like, hey, keep up the good work. You're you know, for the kingdom of darkness. You know you're in trouble when the enemy sends you a thank you card or a gift card, you know. Thank you very much. When the enemy's attacking you, that's, that's a good sign. That's the litmus test that you pose a formidable threat. I remember waking up one morning and I, and I you'll forgive me, but I, I just thought to myself, wow, so this is what it's like? I could get used to this. No, I mean, when I, please, when I say spiritual warfare, I, I want I want to, please understand, and I, I don't say this for any other reason. The Lord knows my heart. So please hear my heart and don't misunderstand me when I, when I say this. When I say spiritual warfare, I'm talking about an intensity in the realm, the spiritual realm, the attack on my mind, on my body, physically, emotionally, psychologically, mentally, mentally. The psychological, mental, spiritual warfare that I need to put on the helmet to protect my mind from the attacks of the enemy in the realm of the spiritual. So I'm out of the pulpit for a couple weeks and the enemy's like, well, we got a couple weeks off, let's go Here's a, a, an address until he's back in the pulpit. And then, oh, <laughs> yeah, so Sunday I'm back in the pulpit. Oh yeah, there it is. I knew it. <laughs> I've been expecting you. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. It was nice while it lasted. Bring it on. That was Jeremiah's world. And that's anybody's world that is called to this. And I only say that 
to say this. I, I could see why, not to excuse it, but to explain it. I could see why men, pastors are silent. I, I, I get it. I can, I can see that. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. In more ways than one. I get it. I really get it. I mean, I get it after every Sunday. You know, I, yeah, that's enough of that. I think you get the point. And we're going to see this with Jeremiah. Verse 17, therefore, <clears throat> now this is really interesting, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you, do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. Whoa! Did you catch that? You know what God's saying here? He's saying, don't you dare be afraid of them, because if you fear them, I will give you over to that fear of them and you will fear man. And Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. In other words, Jeremiah, if you are going to be up and down based on their response or lack thereof, you won't make it. You know what's so interesting is that he remained faithful to the end through all of it. In other words, I don't care what man says. The only one that matters. You can all hate me and walk out on me and give stink eye to me, but I have an audience of one. And if God is pleased, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Because like Paul would say to the Galatians again, chapter 1 verse 10, he asks rhetorically, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. He can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. I'm either going to be a man pleaser or a God pleaser. And in fact, if I'm pleasing to men, pretty good chance I'm not very pleasing to God. And it works both ways. If I'm pleasing to God, pretty good chance that I'm not very pleasing to man. Because see, man does not want to hear it, but man needs to hear it. And God has called me to it, and I want to please God even at the expense of not pleasing man. Can we just go back one more time and then we're almost done? I won't bring it up again, <laughs> at least not for a while. Not tonight anyway, for the rest of the Bible study. But can we just talk one more time about the guy who gets up and leaves? <laughs> what are you going to say? No, we can't. Well, we are. So 
they get up and leave, right? Now, can you imagine if I shifted and tailored and crafted my entire teaching and ministry around one person who was displeased with me and what I said. Oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You know what happened? You'll forgive me again. But then all of a sudden now we're going to be sensitive. Oh, you got it, didn't you? I hope so, because I don't want to have to go into this. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that now all of a sudden you're going to tone it down, soften it up, so that you don't hurt anybody's feelings? No, I, you need to have your feelings hurt. I'd rather hurt you into heaven than be sensitive to you into hell. And if you really think about it, the gospel's not very sensitive. <laughs> I mean, it's offensive by its very nature, because it basically says you're a sinner, and you need the Savior. And the good news is that Jesus died for you to save you. But the bad news is, and you're not going to like this, I know you don't want to hear this, but you need to hear this. You've sinned against God, and you need Jesus. And I know I might ruffle your feathers. <laughs> yeah, I better be really careful, because I can take that a little bit too far. I stepped on your toes. You can use whatever metaphor you want to use. I think that's not the problem. I think the problem is that more toes need to be stepped on. I mean, because of what's at stake, right? We're not talking about life and death. We're talking about eternal life and eternal death. We're talking about eternity here. And you want to just tippy-toe around this thing? No, we, we, we need to deal with this head on, straight up. Yeah, but that's kind of insensitive. Well, I'm going to be insensitive in Jesus' name then. That's enough of that. Let's finish up verse 18. For behold, I love this, I have made you, Jeremiah, this day, <laughs> a fortified city, and an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land. That's what I'm talking about. Eh? Against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. Oh, verse 19, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Oh, I would venture to say that throughout that 40 very, very hard years, 40 plus years, that Jeremiah hung on to this promise for dear life, with everything he had to that promise, because he would need it. 
Oh, they're going to fight you, man. They are going to come against you. But check this out. I have fortified you like a fortified city. You're going to be like iron pillars. Me? Yeah, you. Bronze walls. Me? Yeah, you. And you're going to come against them. They're going to come against you. But when you come against them, guess who's going to prevail? You are. Because I am with you. Oh, they're going to try. They're going to do everything they can to get to you, back at you, to destroy you, because of their hatred for you. But I'm going to deliver you because I'm with you. What a great way to end a chapter with it, a Bible study with a promise that doesn't just apply to Jeremiah. I think we do err greatly when in a Bible study like this, in the Old Testament, we go, well, that's then. No, it's not. It's us now. Sorry, I'm yelling. (laughs) Not really. This applies to us. Didn't Jesus say, I will never leave you or forsake you? Lo, I am with you always, even to the uttermost parts of the earth, even the windward side of Oahu, (laughs) and I will be with you. I will never leave your side. I will be with you through it all. Watch me now. You'll see. Oh, and we will see, Lord willing, and if the Lord tarries. Can't wait. Why don't you stand, Capone, why don't you come up? We'll close. Ah, I love this. Man, I just don't want it to end. Right? You know how it is with a, <laughs> with a really good movie? Not that I watch movies. I'm talking about other people. It's so good. You just don't want it to end, man. Oh, we are in. I'll say it again, and then we'll end. But we are in for a treat. When we're done with this book, Jeremiah is going to be a friend. We are going to know him intimately, and he will become a close friend of ours through our study of this book. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Lord, just wow. I mean, what can we say? How we pray? Just thank you. Thank you for Jeremiah. Thank you for the calling you had on his life. Thank you for his faithfulness. In spite of everything that happened in his ministry, everything that happened to him and against him, and just how you were there for him, enabling him, empowering him, strengthening him, never forsaking him. Lord, thank you. Thank you that that is available for us now, here, today, in that calling that you have on our lives. And it doesn't have to be a prophetic or pastoral calling. We all have a calling on our lives as a priesthood. And Lord, thank you that you package it with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.